Hello, hello. Hi. Um, I want to say welcome to Xena Made Me Gay, <laughs> but... And technically it is the thing that you're listening to currently, but it's not a regular episode. It's not a regular episode and we're not in a regular place. First of all, we're not in two different kind of places. Yes, uh, so far every single episode that we've recorded, we've recorded... Uh, over the internet while located in two different countries. Yes, yes. Me, Alice from Austria, Chris from Germany. Exactly. And now, <laughs> it's completely random, but we're in Poland and this country brought us together and we want to record a special bonus kind of episode. Yay! Yes, our, our numerous fans have been asking. Begging us. <laughs> finally, we've delivered. Yeah, so how is this gonna work? How is this gonna work? We don't know, but. Is this gonna work? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know that either. No. <laughs> We're just gonna wing it. Yep. But uh, we wanted to kind of share a little bit more about us since we realized that all of us. All five of us who have been listening to <laughs> Zena Made Me Gay, uh, we'll know a lot about Xena Warrior Princess universe, but we don't know anything about our dear hosts, Alice and Chris. By the way, hi, I'm Alice. Hi, I'm Chris. And today we're going to tell you more about ourselves. Yay. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis and curtain bangs. The 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Lovely. Let's do it. Okay, okay. We already told about the... Austrian Germany situation, but I think that we already mentioned a couple of times that we grew up in Moscow and we grew up together because, fun fact number one, we're actually cousins. Yes, we're first cousins, and um, I think often when you say cousins, people assume a more distant relationship. Mm-hmm. I think the way that we grew up, we didn't quite grow up as siblings. But But definitely, yeah, uh, as far as cousins go, about as closely as as one can be. So we lived next to each other pretty much our entire lives until one of us wasn't living in the same country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went on family vacations with numerous uh, grandmothers. Because we grew up in a big uh, Jewish Azeri family and we were pretty close with a lot of our relatives and we were pretty close with each other. Which was actually super cool because um, I don't have um, siblings and Chris has a little... Two half-siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say that uh, I have the privilege of being more of a sibling (laughs) to Chris. Yeah, yeah. Due to... Different complicated circumstances. I don't really know either of my half siblings that well. Um, so yeah, Alice is definitely the closest person to a sibling that I have in terms of 
emotional closeness. Aww. Coming back to Xena, why it was such a big thing in our childhoods, um, because back then when I was a teenager and Chris was a little gob- goblin, as Chris likes to say. I think six, seven is about yeah, right. six, seven. We have a seven year difference, but um, that did not prevent us from profoundly enjoying Xena together. And another fun fact, Chris's uh, grandmother recorded the episodes on VHS cassettes, some episodes, and Chris watched it when they were little, and I also watched it, because like, why not, like, free Xena episodes, (laughs) but what was absolutely great about it, that Chris's grandmother wanted to sneak in a little culture (laughs) in this entertaining experience, so she actually recorded a bit of Xena, and then Xena stopped, like, on some cliffhanger, (laughs) and then there was a bit of ballet, or a bit of opera, or other cultural thing that little Chris could enjoy, and then Xena continued, and to this day I find it, like, absolutely precious. I was convinced that the reason that happened was that my grandma just wasn't very good at (laughs) recording things. She had like her own cassettes with, with classical music, and so she just wanted to reuse them. Why not? And then <laughs> she would just record an episode of Xena, and then she wouldn't be sure when to start recording the next Aww. episode or something. Like I, I Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, no, that doesn't really make sense. But uh, yeah, I just, I just assumed that it was... A genuine mistake. <laughs> it kept being interrupted by classical music, so I was like, oh, well, whatever, yeah. But uh, I mean, my, my grandma uh, made me listen to a lot of operas and, and see a bunch of ballets uh, outside <laughs> of those sneaky inserts, uh, so I don't think that was her only strategy. <laughs> but my question is, did you ever like? fast forward through them or did you end up watching all those little pieces i don't know i don't know it was so it was such a long time ago that i don't remember (laughs) okay okay but yeah i would say it's safe to say that the sneaky plan worked Mm. (laughs) a bit of culture was injected both in chris and me so oh yeah double the effect amazing Mm -hmm. Drifting away from our glorious childhoods, we also wanted to talk about queerness because that's the other big topic that we're exploring. And I wanted us to talk about our queerness because um, we have very strong opinions um, about that stuff in Xena Warrior Princess. And let's justify those opinions to folks right now. <laughs> let's, let's present our gay cards. Yes. Um, I mean, I myself am am trans. I'm I'm non-binary, um, and also I identify as sometimes queer, sometimes pansexual. I don't have a very strong preference. Like I wouldn't even say no to bisexual, um, but uh, definitely with a very strong allegiance to the to the queerness um 
I I don't think of my pansexuality as like a diluted version of queerness uh, or a light version of queerness. Is it possible to think of like is is there such a thing? I mean, definitely uh, some biphobia mm-hmm. comes from mm-hmm. that place. It's like oh, you're like half straight, half mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely zero nope. percent <laughs> of me is straight. Um, very happy about that. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else. <laughs> okay, I can I can take it from here. Um, I would say that mostly I think of myself as bisexual, but. Yeah, pansexual also works. I think the more important identity for me is that I am a demisexual <laughs> in terms of like, I think that I'm more attracted to, not more, but like I can be attracted to people sexually only when I'm in love. Um, and uh, I have been in love with the same people for quite a long time now. So I am polyamorous. I live in a throuple. I have a husband and a wife <laughs> um, like boyfriend and girlfriend but like we have been living together for ages and ages so right now boyfriend and girlfriend sounds a bit silly um, so yeah um, that's also a big part of my identity that I was forced to conceal mostly by myself for a long time because up until Uh, 2022 I was living in Moscow where I was out to my family I was out to my close friends but I was definitely closeted at work and with most of my acquaintances uh, with my theater groups that I was in and that sucked and I really am enjoying this newfound openness Uh, hence the idea (laughs) to talk about it on a podcast yeah yeah and we have very different experiences in in that regard because I left Russia about 13 years ago and so I essentially never lived in Russia as an adult and therefore I mean not therefore but it it also contributed to the fact that I was pretty much never in the closet (laughs) as soon as I knew who I was everyone else (laughs) knew who I was that's a better way to live (laughs) yes I I I would recommend if if you're in a place where it's safe to do I went to um to college to to university in in the states in a really liberal environment uh, which I think a lot of colleges in the US are so uh, that was a very easy experience <laughs> for, for a, a baby queer like me oh <laughs> that's great and it's really great that we're both in this place right now also um, knowing that we're cousins a lot of people when they kind of get to know me and Chris a little bit like if they're from more my side of the friend group they're like well so did you influence chris in any way (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) introduced chris to queerness and actually no luckily we were queer 
all on our own and just at some point <laughs> we came out to each other right and i think actually in some respects when it comes to gay culture mm-hmm. i was the one introducing yes. you yes like i sure. took you to your first ever pride parade yes Yes, and drag show and all of those other wonderful things. And your second ever Pride Parade, I think. And your third ever Pride Parade. <laughs> was, was the parade in Montreal? That was the first ever. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> was it your first ever or not? No. I think it might have been. <laughs> but, but like, I was taking yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, to yeah. it. it. I was like, definitely your idea. let me bring you to my people, even though at that point you were out. And yes. I was not. Yes. <laughs> I was in that weird um, space that I think lots of uh, queer people go through, where it's like, oh, I'm just really interested in gay everything. Not because <laughs> I myself am gay. Unfortunately, I'm not. But it just, I'm just really interested as just like an observer for some reason. Casually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think I was, for a long time, I was in a place where, yes, I happened to be queer, also because we kind of came to our polyamory situation all on our own, like, um, I think also people have been asking me, like, when did you decide to be polyamorous, and that's not something that we decided, it was a very complicated love triangle that turned into a polyamorous relationship of many years. But wouldn't you say that at some point you decided? We decided to live together, but I didn't even know the word Mm. until there was like some obscure comic about polyamorous living Mm. that had nothing to do with our lives, but that there we got some lingo from. And we knew that like, Maikovsky had something like that and a few other... I don't think our listeners would know okay. what this person is. <laughs> Famous Russian poet Vladimir Maikovsky was rumored, like not even rumored, like it's, it's pretty definite that he had some sort of like arrangement. We don't know what exactly it was with like a man and a woman, um, but the way that it was portrayed always, it was like, oh my god, the incredible suffering of that and like the complications and everything and like mm. for a long time in my head was like oh is it possible to have a relationship of three people without incredible suffering turns out yes it is yes um <laughs> i mean also i don't i don't know whether uh it's okay to disclose that but um my dad and <laughs> your uncle has been in a polyamorous relationship for I don't know how long at this point, yes. 25 years? Yes, yes, yes. He was there first. <laughs> yes, so actually you knew that it was possible to yes. have that without suffering. It's, it's so interesting, like this tunnel vision that mm. internal homophobia bestows on you like mm. I hope that now I don't have it but like I think I had a lot of it not in terms of like oh I hate myself and it's sinful to be gay like mm. that sort of thing I never had that but I always was aware that what we're doing in our family is like against the society norms mm. and being like a good girl all my life I desperately wanted to fit 
the society norms. So mm. in my head was like, oh, it's okay to conceal it. Oh, it's okay to like, oh, if we, we see something like that in other people, like, I'm sure that that's not something that we have. Or like, I don't want to admit that that's something that we have. Like, it, what you're saying is logical, but for some reason that logic just didn't work in my head up until some point. Yeah, yeah. And like, obviously I knew about other queer people like I think for a lot of especially older queer people the problem is like oh am I the only person in the entire yeah. universe who feels this thing yeah. um, must be that I, I don't I don't understand how it could have happened because it it doesn't to anyone else and I definitely wasn't like that I remember being aware of the existence of, of queer people of queer women um, from a super young age and yet I just completely ignored my own queerness I was like well yeah everyone finds women attractive they're they're gorgeous and beautiful and everyone wants to look at them and and sometimes look at them naked uh, <laughs> isn't that just kind of how everyone rolls <laughs> no it's funny how we kind of have that closed box in our heads yeah so coming back i think to pride parades and other things that you introduced me to i think like at the first pride parade i was like oh it's so cool also it has nothing to do with me mm. although i also was already queer and like you're already in a queer in relationship a queer relationship yeah but for some reason i was like I, it has nothing to do with me it's like it's great but like not my thing and i think it was years after and it was in a in a gay bar in berlin mm. when i came to visit chris and we went to a drag show and there were like people like hugging and kissing around me and i was like i desperately want that community and that mm. openness and be among those people and it sucks that i kind of don't have that opportunity in Moscow and also like I think if I wanted to I could go to like a, a gay bar in Moscow it's, it definitely was available but for some reason my anxiety about hmm. being closeted there kind of would not let me yeah <laughs> yeah I get it okay that got really dark <laughs> let's talk about Zina <laughs> um Sure. Yeah. Uh, so our podcast is called Zena Meet Me Gay. <laughs> yes, as far as I remember. <laughs> yes. And um, I don't know if we can, in all seriousness, say that like Zena is the thing that made us <laughs> gay, but um, maybe we can talk a little bit how Zena and our own queerness kind of intertwine. Yeah. I mean, so again, because we have a seven year difference, it was different for the two of us mm -hmm. where f for me, there was at that point at the age of six, seven, almost no awareness of sexualities as distinct separate categories. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't necessarily think of people as straight or gay mm -hmm. um, but I definitely thought of 
Zena and Gabrielle as together, mm-hmm. as being together in some way. Um, and I kind of accepted that as enough of an explanation of whatever <laughs> was happening. Um, and I think there was a good aspect to it and a bad aspect to it. Uh, insofar as I think that was a little bit unhelpful in terms of me processing my own identity and my own sexuality. Of course, at the age of six, seven, like, there's no hurry. (laughs) But um, I certainly was attracted to to girls and, and women at that time already. And I just dismissed it because I didn't have I don't I don't know what I didn't have but somehow my my brain refused to categorize that as anything other than well duh of course <laughs> beautiful women everyone's interested in that <laughs> yeah. um but then the the good the good thing was this um early way to connect to my queerness even on a subconscious level Mm -hmm. and see it celebrated and see it portrayed in this aspirational way Mm -hmm. i would say which is something that a lot of queer kids don't get until adulthood Mm -hmm. um and for that i'm i'm very grateful um, but for you, it was definitely a lot more explicit how mm-hmm. how gay Zena was. Not only, I think, because of your own understanding, but because of uh, the forum. Yeah, 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 the forum. Um, it's really interesting because, yeah, for... Um, it was like the early days of internet in Russia. And... Uh, I went to a couple of chat rooms. We all did that back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up on Xena Warrior Princess forum. And the forum was extremely lesbian. <laughs> like, uh, and like always like in, in the internet, like you don't know people's ages. You don't know where they come from. I would guess that most of them were pretty young people, but not as young as I was. Like I was about... 14, hmm. 14, 15 maybe. And uh, I had my own understanding of like cool things in Xena. I had, I know you already know that, but, like I had a lot of crushes on a lot of male characters. And um, you were constantly thinking about the Roman Empire. And I was constantly thinking about the Roman Emperor as in the biggest crush was on Julius Caesar because... Uh, like when people were into dinosaurs, like teenagers were into dinosaurs, my dinosaurs were <laughs> the Roman Empire and Julius Caesar. He was like my favorite favorite T-Rex that I like to dissect. Like at some point, and my, my parents was were very encouraging. At some point, they like bought me every single biography of Julius Caesar the ones in the store. And all of them were repetitive because like, it's not that there were so many sources, but like yeah, I, I got a lot of fun out of it, but I think I got on the nerves on 
uh, fabulous lesbian women in the Xena forum because I constantly was talking about Julius Caesar. I think I even got told off once or twice. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we get it. You really like him. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, at that point, like, since I was a regular, I remember like, walking into the chat room, like, it was close to New Year's Eve, and there was, like, little... Um, graphic snow <laughs> in the chat room <laughs> and uh, I was like oh hey hi everyone and everyone's like oh this, the straight cookie <laughs> hi straight like, cookie like I don't know like straight babe straight uh-huh. something there was like straight insert pet nickname I'm like oh okay <laughs> that's me I guess so my understanding of Xena at that time was very weird in terms of like I think I already mentioned that I tried to deny all of the not so subtle subtext in the show because it seemed to me that that's very um, that that's kind of like a fantasy of those who are watching it so that's wishful like thinking a, a wishful thinking mm-hmm. and um, also I I think at that point in a lot of places that I hang out online and maybe that's not a coincidence but (laughs) further down the line we would discover that there was this interest in taking Harry Potter for example and making all the characters gay Mm. and like writing fanfic about Harry Potter and Voldemort and Dumbledore and, and everyone and I really disliked it Mm. I was like this is not what the author intended oh wow (laughs) yeah I was a little snob back then Uh, also yeah I'm like now (laughs) (laughs) I said also Uh, okay okay okay. (laughs) that's why I think that for a long time I was like no 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 this is just like wishful thinking and and thick writers obscuring what is actually happening on Xena Warrior Princess right and I think only upon the second rewatch I'm like Oh, oh, yeah, no, it's not wishful thinking. No. Mm. And how aware were you of your own queerness at that point? When I was denying the, 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 the subtext? In yeah. Argentina? Not really, but mm. I now think that it could have been some sort of like a pushback against my own queerness also. Mm. I think that like... I was so keen on not seeing the obvious that it's suspicious, you know? Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So, complicated. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so even though the podcast was called Xena Made Me Gay, when I was watching it, I was not aware of my own queerness and vaguely aware of Xena's queerness and when you were watching it you weren't aware of either of the two (laughs) and actively denying it yep 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 should we change the name (laughs) despite Xena we became gay (laughs) a little less catchy don't you think is that we wanted to tell you something but of course it's like when you sit in front of the microphone and like oh you need to tell something to the listeners oh i do that okay um so i pulled up like a get to know you 21 question sort of 
like uh, 21 questions for new relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, our relationship is definitely not new. We have known each other for 30 years. No. I wonder I wonder how new that is. Yeah. What kind of an anniversary is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to think about it. Uh, so, yeah, let me give you a number. Okay, from one to... Yeah, 21. <laughs> wow, the original yeah. um, 13. 13. If you could relive any part of your life so far, which part would you choose and why? Ooh, I was actually thinking about that recently. Huh. Um, like, is there a period of my life that is, like, the happiest or the period when I felt the safest, mm -hmm. uh, the most cared for, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything, um, which either is really sad or is just really consistent. Or it's really great, you don't want to live in the past. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Um, so, I think I would interpret this question differently mm -hmm. and I would answer it as in, if I could relive a particular moment. Okay, okay. And just kind of do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to answer this question without thinking, oh, what would I re relive and change? So. Yeah regrets and and situations where i didn't act the way that i oh. wish i acted that is very easy to come up with mm -hmm. um in terms of uh just great great experiences to to relive i had the pleasure and privilege of performing on a stage not so long ago oh. and it was exciting it was exhilarating it was uh something that i really want to do again i haven't Aww. had the chance to as of yet but if i could relive that absolutely i would take it in this version if we know that you're reliving that i need to be there yeah because i think i know what you're talking about and i would really want to be there to witness it <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of find something that you want to relive. For me, it really is a little bit like, oh, it was great then, mm. it's not so great now. We were talking about it with uh, my wife recently, and we were like, for all of the shit that comes with adult life, <laughs> we would never, like, we're both in our late 30s now, we would never trade our... 30s for our 20s for example mm. like I would not want to come back like mm. yeah maybe I don't know some things were easier but in terms of like peace of mind and dealing with my stuff and like the mental capacity they have right now mm. as opposed to me in my 20s riddled with anxiety I would never want to go back in terms of reliving something and not changing it I would also maybe choose something connected with the stage I was um, in a children's theater when I was Aww. a child and it also was not always easy but I'm curious I would be curious to relive like a day of 11 year old me also performing on stage 
and to kind of remember how that was, but more for nostalgic reasons. Aww, <laughs> that's cute. All right, now you pick a number. Okay, 19. What is the healthiest and unhealthiest thing you do regularly? Okay, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the healthiest. Uh, and I would, like, maybe it's cheating, but I would say like, the healthiest thing that I do not do, I do not consume alcohol <laughs> at mm. all. And cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, like Chris has some cider to celebrate it. I have black tea. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's not like because especially in Russia when I shared it, they're like, "Oh my god, like are you, are you ill or something?" <laughs> like, it's not an illness. I, <laughs> I just don't like the taste, and I never liked it, so I never started drinking. Mm. And I would assume that that kind of makes me a little healthier than the average person. Mm, mm. Um, and the unhealthy thing to do I do a lot but I I would go on a limb and say like overworking myself is the most unhealthy thing that I do yes can confirm <laughs> can confirm okay your turn um in terms of the healthiest thing I would say that I do sports quite regularly not to any like intense extent, but you know, I go bouldering a couple of times a week, and so I'm in okay shape, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, probably that's the healthiest thing. And the unhealthiest thing is um, my intense self criticism tendency. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is ever good enough. Um, that's, I think, the unhealthiest. For sure. 21. Mm -hmm. If you found out that your current life has been only a dream, okay, would you choose to wake up or stay in it? Oh, so I'm in the matrix. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, like, which pill? <laughs> yes. I mean, as a person who adores the matrix, so thinking of of things that made me gay Aww. i think so xena definitely was one of them but but the matrix absolutely was one of them <laughs> uh, it just yeah one of the things that like shaped me as a person i think that when i saw it it was like a revelation like i have literal goosebumps Aww. right now talking about it generally that <laughs> predisposes me to uh, choosing to to wake up, um, but it's interesting that the question doesn't tell you anything about what you will wake up to. I think that's the rules. Like you wake up and then there's something completely different. Well, yes, but I guess in the Matrix, <laughs> Neo is kind of at least taken in by by Morpheus who. Who explains a little bit about he tries to explain a little bit but that doesn't even come close to what neo faces right that's true that's true well fuck it yeah red pill it is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm waking up i'm i'm checking out <laughs> whatever it is um i mean i i do love my life the way it is um but uh 
you know, I can't can't let those machines win. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're fighting for humanity. Yeah. Uh, that's good because I'm not waking up. You're not. No. No, you're staying in the matrix. I'm staying in the matrix, one hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I remember also watching the matrix, and there's this evil guy in the matrix that he has that speech at some point like if i knew what it really was i would like throw this red pill in morpheus's face or something like that and i'm like yep yep i'm that definitely especially when they neo wakes up and like i see what they're eating i'm like oh my god i never <laughs> want to wake up <laughs> yeah yeah but you are never a, f- a fan of the Matrix. No, no, that's yeah, another thing. Yeah, didn't didn't work for you somehow. No, as soon as I saw all the later uh, all the latex and the leather, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to actually ask you maybe like maybe not now, maybe like for the future discussions or something like that. Just tell me what is gay about the Matrix because I think I don't get it. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We will talk about it extensively. <laughs> Dear listener, we need to pause for about three hours. That's what we're going to discuss somewhere in a bar. Tonight. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. For the remainder of this Poland trip. <laughs> Plan me. Um, five. Who is slash was the most influential person in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I would be... And I would say, just to make it more interesting, okay. let's exclude family members. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, because I wanted to say my mom. Yeah, and, and you know, like, yeah. it, it makes sense. It makes sense. But... Yeah. Excluding family members, the most influential person in my life. Because, like, what do we count as influential? Like... Something that they said or did. Maybe there was a fictional character that made you gay. <laughs> Julius Caesar? Oh, okay. no! <laughs> uh, yeah, I would exclude family in terms of, like, I would exclude my partners also, of course. Like, they have I think so. Great influence, but yeah. it's a little bit of a different thing. Um, I would say, coming back to my childhood, I. As I mentioned, I was in a children's theater and there was a theater director there. In a very closed environment, we were very influenced, we were all very influenced by him. He was a very charismatic figure. I kind of got to witness his process in terms of how he crafted our shows and he always kind of treated us like adult actors, which Mm. was good and bad because they really demanded a lot from us. But... um, I really got to be inside that process of like creating a play and that made me first of all a theater fan for the rest of my life and I think that a lot of the things that I know about creativity kind of come from that place from that person's process so I would say Alexandre Alexandrovich nice nice um I think for me it's um a fairly easy question because I grew up essentially with 
a person in my life who was there with me through everything from the ages of from the age of six I think to 17 we we did everything together mm -hmm. all the time we went to the same school um, at that school we were each other's only friends I think so uh, the way that the school works in in Russia is that you go to the same school with the same people in your class grade one to grade 11 so you start at six or at seven you end at uh, 17 18 that is if you don't move countries like I did well yes um, <laughs> that's why I said in Russia yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we we spend those 11 years together and together again not not just going to the same school but constantly talking and constantly sharing things and going through the changes and developments of a young person's life together and sometimes she would find an interest uh and i would know nothing about it but just because she was interested i i was like it must be great it must be it must be worthy of of my attention let me let me try to get into that and i and i did it with so many things i can't Aww. even count them <laughs> and some of them did end up being like genuine interests of mine um and i have never felt bored with with this person i don't think anyone has seen me from so many different points of of view and in so many different situations and experiencing all kinds of different emotions and mm -hmm. um yeah that's why it's it's very very easy to to say that it was her yeah i think if there's one thing that I could choose to relive uh, that was a relationship. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was our relationship throughout those years because it was just such a constant source of joy and support and curiosity and just anything that, that one would hope to get from a friendship. Uh, so much so that when we were about 11, someone started a rumor about us in school that we were lesbians and you know kind of guilty but not with each other you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, despite despite being incredibly close and despite uh, the the unrelated queerness uh, it was always um, I wanted to say just a friendship but it, that's, it seems to be doing a disservice to, to the, the kind of friendship that it was. So, uh, Sawyer, I love you and uh, would relive that whole thing in a heartbeat. Um, Sawyer listens to this podcast. So. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's super great. And it really is such a rare thing to carry that long of a friendship. I don't know many people who have friends who like they started to be friends with in the first grade and they're still so close because usually people grow apart so yeah you guys are awesome <laughs> we started in the, in the in the second grade in the first grade sawyer loki hated me oh okay. 
mind. <laughs> but then in the second grade she gave me a second chance and Aww. thankfully I didn't didn't fuck it up. <laughs> so I think that that's a good way to end. That's a great way to end. Yes. So thank you for indulging our, our little <laughs> experiment. Hope this was uh, at least as interesting for you as our regular episodes. And if not, our regular episodes are going to come back. Definitely. Next time. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do it a lot. But if you happen to like it and you want to know more... Do also let us know. Yeah, let us know. We have our Instagram, Zena Made Me Gay. So drop us a like. All right. And until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.